1: Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Nearly two months after many California businesses shut their doors to slow the spread of the coronavirus, some retailers and manufacturers are reopening just a little bit starting today. KQED politics reporter Guy Marzarotti has more.
2: Governor Gavin Newsom says businesses including florists, bookstores and clothing stores will be allowed to start curbside pickup today. We're moving forward, but we're doing it always with an eye, being led by the data, by the science, by public health. Newsom also set strict requirements for counties that want to open up further. They'll have to go two weeks without a COVID-19 death, while hitting benchmarks for testing and employing contact tracers to track the spread of the virus.
3: We'll try to provide some flexibility, but again, it's a health-first
2: frame. Some counties, including Yuba and Sutter, have already moved to reopen shops. Meanwhile, on Thursday, the six Bay Area counties with stay-at-home orders said they still won't allow curbside pickup at most businesses. For the California Report, I'm Guy Marzorati.
1: You heard Guy mention how florists will be allowed to partially reopen today. Late yesterday, I went to downtown L.A.'s flower market to talk to merchants about the reopening. Actually, many were already selling flowers curbside to customers for Mother's Day. You said you hope uh, people come out for their yeah. mothers to buy flowers. Yeah. That's Marta Hernandez. She owns one of the many mom-and-pop flower shops
2: here. We She said she
1: doesn't know what's going to happen with partial retail reopening because the situation is so new. She also doesn't know if it's going to be possible to actually make enough sales to stay open. It's been hard, she said. Let's turn from retail to employment, or more often these days, unemployment. Millions of newly jobless people have filed for unemployment benefits since March. In California, many who've applied aren't getting their payments for several reasons. One of them is something known as false claim penalty cases. These are people who either tried to defraud the state when they filed for unemployment in the past, or just made honest mistakes when filling out complicated paperwork. Kayla Hoppe is an unemployed television costumer turned activist on the issue.
4: So a false claim penalty is a sentence that is issued onto unemployment accounts for making a mistake on a past claim, for example, not reporting your availability for work, for turning down um, a job offer. It's a very broad spectrum of reasons that can fall under a false statement penalty.
1: So if the state flags you as being covered by a false claim penalty, what does that mean for your situation right now?
4: So this means that those Californians can have no access from anywhere from 5 to 23 weeks to their unemployment insurance.
1: Oh, they're locked out.
4: Yes, they are locked out essentially from anywhere from 5 to 23 weeks.
1: So is that the situation with you currently?
4: That is my situation. I was issued a sentence of seven weeks, so that meant no money coming in, no money from work. (laughs) or from the uh, UI benefits.
1: And what about the argument that many people being affected by these false statement penalties now deserve not getting unemployment because they tried to cheat the system before? What would you say?
4: I would say first, the name false statement penalty negatively misrepresents what the cause for these disqualification sentences, aka false statement penalties are there is two categories. There is making a false statement and there's also making a negligent mistake. And that is what is almost, I would say probably 90% of people that have reached out from me, they were disqualified for making a mistake. So just the severity of what a um, false statement penalty is, I feel like there's really going to be a need for us to make sure that it's very clear from the forefront what's going to happen if you make one of these mistakes, no matter how small or unintentional or honest it is, because this is a very severe situation that's putting so many of us in.
1: All right, Kayla Hoppe, costume designer turned unemployment insurance activist. Thanks so much.
4: Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me.
1: The State Labor Department says it's working to correct the problem. In related news, turns out there are lots of ways to lose your unemployment check, or at least part of it. Consider the plight of working actors. Work they did years ago can count against their current unemployment benefits, just when they need them most. KPCC's David Wagner has more.
2: The coronavirus pandemic has been devastating for Hollywood film and TV productions. And some out-of-work actors are now losing hundreds of dollars a week in unemployment benefits.
4: It feels like we're being singled out for the way we get paid.
2: Hope Shapiro has played small parts on shows like Will and Grace. When those shows get syndicated, she earns residuals. Shapiro says she used to like finding these checks in her mailbox, but now she dreads it. Recently, a little over $100 in those residuals was enough to make her lose close to $700 in weekly benefits.
1: My pride in having done these jobs is now oh God, please don't give me any money for having done them because I still need to feed my family.
2: Other states, such as New York, don't count residuals against weekly unemployment benefits. The actors' union SAG-AFTRA is now lobbying California to change its rules so actors like Shapiro don't have to lose their benefits. For The California Report, I'm David Wagner in Los Angeles.
1: Most Californians support greater protections for farm workers as they continue to help feed the country through the pandemic. That's according to a new poll of nearly 9,000 voters statewide. KQED's Farida Javala romero reports.
3: The poll by UC Berkeley's Institute of Governmental Studies found 71% of California voters agree that farm workers should have medical benefits and paid sick leave if they fall ill with COVID-19 even if they're undocumented immigrants. Agricultural workers are considered essential during the pandemic, but in California, more than half lack legal immigration status, according to the U.S. Department of Labor. Aline Harrow is a research fellow with UC Berkeley's School of Public Health, who helped analyze the survey results. She says despite anti-immigrant policies at the federal level, Californians broadly support economic relief and other protections for farm workers.
4: They really are putting their lives on the line. The least that we can do is make sure that these workers who, if they do fall sick, um, can actually access the resources that they need to recuperate.
3: In California, most food workers are entitled to two weeks of paid sick leave for COVID-19 from their employers after a federal coronavirus law and an executive order by Governor Gavin Newsom. But Harrow says many farm workers may be unaware they have this right, especially immigrants who speak indigenous languages. In the poll, those who disagreed with greater protections for farm workers were more likely to live in rural areas, vote Republican, and approve of President Donald Trump's handling of the pandemic. For The California Report, I'm Farida Javala romero
1: A group representing half a million workers in California's beauty and hair industry plans to file a lawsuit against Governor Gavin Newsom. It wants the reopening of salons and barbershops. KQED's Shannon Lynn reports.
0: The Professional Beauty Federation of California says salons and beauty schools are in dire financial shape. Most stylists are independent contractors who don't qualify for the state's regular unemployment insurance. Federation President Ted Nelson says his members are certified based on hygiene standards.
3: Beauty professionals are literally an army of sanitation experts. The preponderance of that education has to do with sanitation and contagion and cross-contamination, and all that has to be covered before they can touch one person.
0: But at his daily briefing Thursday, Governor Newsom said that even with proper sanitation, personal care services are still hotspots for the virus, saying the first case of community transmission in the state came from an unidentified nail salon.
1: That was KQED's Shannon Lynn reporting. The California Public Utilities Commission has imposed the largest penalty in its history against Pacific Gas and Electric. The $2 billion fine stems from the role the utility's equipment played in sparking several deadly wildfires in 2017 and 2018. KQED's Lily Jamali has more.
0: In announcing the record fine against PG&E, the CPUC said resolving its investigation into the catastrophic fires was an important step towards getting the utility out of bankruptcy. Wildfire liabilities prompted PG&E to enter into Chapter 11 protection last year. Thursday, the commission also suspended a smaller fine. Commissioners agreed with pg es plea that paying a $200 million all-cash penalty could jeopardize its financing ahead of its bankruptcy exit, which is slated for next month. That fine had drawn controversy because pg e wanted to pay it from a trust for fire victims. Previously, in bankruptcy court, pg e tried and failed to use that same victim's trust to pay a fine to Butte County for killing 84 people in the campfire which it's pleading guilty to causing. For the California Report, I'm Lily Jamali.
1: Let's turn now to our sister show, the California Report Weekly Magazine. This week, it's bringing us stories about how people in mountain towns and rural areas are coping with shelter in place. We'll meet Carl Butts. He's the editor of the tiny mountain messenger newspaper in Downeyville, an old gold mining town of 300 people in the Sierra foothills. I mean, it's really ironic that this, this county lives off of people coming to visit. Our only export is, is the beauty we've got. Hear more on this week's California Report magazine, tune in on this station, or download the podcast. And that's the California Report for Friday, May 8th, a production of KQED Public Radio. Our wonderful engineers are Katie McMurrin and Danny Bringer. Raquel Maria Dillon, Alice Wolfley, and Mary Franklin Harvin are our producers. Angela Corral is the editor of the show. Our managing editor is Vinnie Tong. Our executive editor is Ethan Lindsay. And our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Be safe and have a happy Mother's Day.